Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. We'll see what shakes out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It is a Wednesday, March 30th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 540. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryan. I love me some jazzy clarinet solos. Joey Franchino is here. Hello, everybody. And John Burkle as well. It's great to have the music back. Is guess what Bob is saying? No, but I like I like the music is back too. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Are any of you good with uh, with grammar? I mean, no, I my grandma, my grandma's a language my, arts teacher. Uh, <laughs> no, my, my grandma passed away. Sorry, me flunk okay. English. That impossible. That's very good, Bob. So I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week's for this week's show is Mr. Bob Ryer, Joey Bertino, blah blah blah. R, or R. I mean it should be R. It is why? Why? Because there's group. It's plural. It's plural. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, because yeah. it's all it's all separate with commas and ends. Yes, it's an R. Whoa. Unless you added is Mr. Bob Ryer also joining us is Mr. Joey Petrino Joey mm. Pacino. Why am I can't, can't even say your name? To it's, it's, it's the third sidecar, is what it is. Yeah, well, actually, it is. As a matter of fact, then my heat went off about an hour ago, and I'm still waiting for a call it, back from the. It is our. I've never. Uh, oh, there you Sorry, go. There you go. Bob. There, he's calling back. I'll, I'm on pause. Hold on. Okay. Um, it is our. This is uh, incredible for the third week in a row. Incredible radio to start. Um, it is our. Because it's plural, but I've never stopped you because because grammar is based in usage and you can say whatever you want and it doesn't matter. Okay, because I recently got access to a Grammarly premium account through work. And so now every, everything that I do on my desktop computer gets like hard pop ups by yeah. this thing. Oh yeah, like this and like and sometimes it's really useful. And then other times it is clearly wrong. Uh, it has a seizure every single time that you try to quote someone because people are just talking naturally and it doesn't know what to do with that. But my point being and bringing it all back to my question before is that when I'm listing people and I put is or are, it does not know what to do with itself. It will bounce back between the two. You'll get like, it'll be like, you're all good. And you get five words into a new sentence and it flips out and it goes back to the other way. And it's like, no, do this instead. Look, you should, it, never, it can't decide. You should never trust a robot just now. I will tell you that this is, this is semi related to the topic of our show <laughs> um, in the Jersey city mall, right by me here. They just installed a robot machine that this is the sci-fi element of our show, a robot machine 
that makes cheeseburgers. And okay. it's like a vending machine. And like you like swipe your card, you order the thing. And then inside of this magic box, a robot apparently makes you a cheeseburger. Does it flip the burgers in front of you? I, I don't I know. See, I have I no idea. That. I have no idea. I walk past it all the time and it's like Robo Burger. And I'm like, that's not real. And then today <gasps> I saw an article that was straight up like Robo Burger finally open at the mall. And I was like, this is the end time. This is you never don't trust a robot. First of all, I don't trust a robot to correct my grammar. I'm not going to trust a robot to literally make me a cheeseburger. Okay. You know why this happened? Because they raised fast food workers' salaries to something <laughs> not livable, but they made it $15 dollars in New York. <laughs> right. So now you can pay a robot less at White Castle to make a burger. Uh, this, is, Damn, this, union. Is the, <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. Look at this place. They got you got your your Terminator hand coming in to serve you your burger over here. You're it's looking Skynet. at it, right? It's Skynet. It's ro- I'm it's- looking. I'm looking at the website, the official website right now. It's like a it's like a red box kiosk. Yeah, it's a red box a kiosk, burger. and it and you and it makes a burger for you inside. There's so, get a burger there's somebody and a movie. In, there's somebody in there. That's big oh. enough to have somebody in there. <laughs> yeah, a, Johnny Five is in there. No spoilers no. for spoilers for Snowpiercer. It's the Snowpiercer thing. You have a very small child <laughs> yes. in the uh, yes. Robo machine. I gotta say the the hand that's at the bottom <laughs> of this machine is in the weirdest position <laughs> to hopefully <laughs> catch this burger that is being plopped out. <laughs> This is not going to go the well. Weirdest. It's pink slime. It's not even meat because it wouldn't hold up in the machine long enough to, well, to right? not be That's toxic. That's what I'm thinking about. Like, how could that be the case? And it's not like it's not like it doesn't look like a freezer or anything, right? It literally looks like Steve said a red box. Like, where you just to get your DVDs from? Look at these people sitting here. This is great radio. Look at these people sitting here. Like, what are you? It doesn't bring it over to you, so you just you have to listen for it. Like, what do you do? It takes a couple of minutes to make the burger. You got to cook it. You got to dress it. You got to do all the things. You got to swipe your card and then just stand around like an asshole on your phone waiting for your <laughs> robot to make a burger. I mean, what, is it, maybe it's cooking with EMP or nuclear radiation or something. It's definitely. I am getting like hardcore hospital cafeteria vibes from yeah, this website. All right. Bottom line, y'all, is I guess I'm trying to robo burger this Joey, week. Joey, <laughs> assignment this week. It can't be this. I mean, this looks like a delicious burger. That can't it be can't, the one they serve you. Be. Look, all right. I hear, okay, oh let's God. put it to the let's put it to the listeners. Should Joey get a Robo Burger this week, or should he see Morbius this week? Well, oh. we can talk, we can <laughs> talk about Robo that. Burger is going to probably be better for your soul. Ah, <laughs> uh, I Robo Burger, please do not sue us for using some of your artwork in this week's podcast art. I have to do something with when this. You said Robo Burger. Great. I had this vision of an actual like robot, like this is like. Like Johnny Five or, or like the robot from Lost in Space, like making you a hamburger. Warning, Will Robinson, danger, danger. Yes. Right. Sorry for derailing the show there, Steve. All they're sho- This is great. All right, look. All they're showing are these like robot hands. They look like the grabber, the little thing that you squeeze. And it's like, you know, it squeezes around the burger. And then somebody just inside the thing hands it to you to make it look like a robot hand. My problem with it is like, so you know how like on Star Wars, like the droid make the yeah, food but you that's could what I was see imagining. It, right here it's a closed box 
They're just they're just <laughs> more they're microwaving burgers. It must be. It must be just like pre-packaged things, and then they just like yeah. zap it, and then it and then it falls out. All right, Robo Burger, open up. I want to see what's going mm. on on the inside. I'm still waiting for those microwaves, either from Back to the Future Two, where you put like the little the the food in there, and it like the hydrator oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. it was that they had, or the little microwave dealy from the fifth element where it's just a couple of pills on a plate and you stick it in there for two seconds and then you have a whole like you know roasted chicken meal i'm just waiting for star trek the next generation where i just tell them what i want and it appears well, uh, that was even in the original show the food yeah. replicators yeah. yeah i i ordered a chicken sandwich and coffee and captain kirk ends up with two tribbles mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you guys this is the last thing i swear you guys ever see galaxy quest yeah, yeah. of course when when Alan Rickman's character yeah. is served the food from his home planet, <laughs> it's like alive and it is it is bold. Galaxy Quest was a trivia, one of our geek trivia questions. I think Bob asked it maybe, and it was like, "What was Sigourney Weaver's job on the ship?" She talked to the computer. She didn't talk to. The, she read Re- back, the back the computer. Back the computer. Yeah. <laughs> that movie's that was that's a good movie. It's a fun movie. Um, oh, and by the way. As I as I explore, we were talking about this off air, but as I explore more podcasts, there are some podcasts out there that don't even start their show for like a half hour. It's madness. All right. You don't so, use that as justification for our nonsense. 22 minutes and 59 <laughs> seconds. Count. I have an excuse for everything. Uh, Robo Burger. Get, get some. <laughs> I'm going to franchise Delicious. into my... <laughs> Yo, all right. I'm 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 totally doing something with this stuff later. Okay. Uh let's see here. I want to hear so as you may remember from last week, it's coming this this past weekend was Mr. Bob's birthday. This is true. You met up with a bunch of friends, and I would like to hear all about it. Yes, it was I an email from Aaron about, I don't know, 10 days or so ago. Hey, I'm coming up into, into town. Let's, can, can we meet in the city somewhere? Sure. That then quickly became Aaron and Joey and Emily and Melissa and Carolyn from upstate and Lauren Collins from out here. And we had a lovely, lovely day starting with, well, I got in early because it's Long Island. And of course, on the weekends, the Long Island Railroad doesn't work, right? So I had to take a different branch and get in early. So I was in, took an 851, which was bad because I had gotten in the night before at about 2.30. So early train, got in, did some walking around, got to the new FAO Schwarz, and went. we all then were going to meet at this amazing place that Melissa found called Valerie on 45th. It's sort of new. What was the date, Joey? 2018. 2018, but looks as if it could have been built in 1918. Great venue, gin-based cocktails, loads of cool stuff, great brunch. Walk. I walked in a little early. I'm sitting at the bar. And there's a jazz combo. There's a, there's a guy playing sax, clarinet, and guitar. And he's taking text messages while he does all three of them at once. Yes. Which is, which is pretty darn cool. But just a lovely place made even lovelier by the group of friends got to spend all this wonderful time with. 
It was food wonderful, company even better, conversations where all of the seven of us, like, oh, were we seven? I don't, I lose count. I think we're seven. Mm-hmm. Everyone had a conversation with everybody at some point during, during just our brunch, which was massive. <laughs> what, what was that sandwich you had, Joey? Was it some sort of mushroom burger? I had burger? a lovely Hen of the Meadows mushroom burger. It was bigger than my face. But, you know, Guy, <laughs> Guy Fieri taught me how to, like, you know, you got to, like, chicken wing it and then, like, oh. And uh, so I know how to consume. I know how to, I know how to consume big things. I know how to put big things yeah. in my mouth. <laughs> Um, Carolyn and Aaron ordered chicken and waffles, which came with a waffle the size of Pittsburgh and half a and half a a a, barbecued chicken. And a chicken the size of Pittsburgh, too. It was incredible. Just a great place. Then we did some did some wandering place to place. We went to the I'm gonna misbrose it, Schwackeries. Schmackeries. Schmackeries, the, the cookie place, which is some of the best cookies in New York. We stopped to drop Joey and Emily off. We were going to see a film, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we found an Irish pub and had a couple of Irish coffees and parted ways with just the snow beginning to fall in Manhattan. So you, it couldn't, 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 have been, couldn't have been a nicer day. And I'm honored that people think so much to to do these things for me and i was thrilled and had a just a great great day that sounds incredible i'm glad that you had so much fun yeah we miss we miss you yeah next time perhaps next yeah yeah you know things are uh well whether you're ready for it or not things are definitely changing yeah uh that's for sure yeah there's some uh there's some business going on around here let me tell you it's uh, every. I feel like every day, more and more, uh, there's more and more maskless people going around, and um, something to get used to. Mm-hmm. Some people are ready. I am not. I uh, hear <laughs> it's sort of <sighs> two out of ten people in a supermarket are wearing masks. I'm mm-hmm. one of those two because I figure it's. it's we, our numbers are rising in New York slightly, but there's a new variant. So it's, you know, can we get past the winter? It's snowing. It's, it's going to be 18 degrees in New York tonight. Oh, by the way, that phone call, if that's going to bleed through, that was not my heating guy with a checkup. It was the my congressman in a robocall. Oh, nice. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. You calling him to get your burger order? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to send you guys the image I made for this week's show. I'll send it in the chat. Um, What else do we got going on this podcast? Let me take a look at the outline here. Uh, We got a couple of cool news items. Uh, They released a new scene from the Batman. We'll talk about it ever so briefly. There's a new Marvel series, live action series coming out. Uh, and a couple of other cool things as well. And we also have lightning rounds. Which I think we could probably get to right about now. Bob, would you care to share your books with us? Surely, surely. We'll start with Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit Number 4 by Samira Ahmed, Andres Genelay, Triona Farrell, and Joe Carmagna. And that gives us the backstory of how Karen, Kamala's interdimensional doppelganger, has come to Earth... And it's a heck of a story. Now, will her hopefully ill-guided quest for revenge 
mean the end of our Ms. Marvel? Or can Kamala and her friends uncover the truth for her before it's too late? Tune in the next issue or during Steve's lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> Trial of the Amazons, Wonder Girl number one, written and drawn by Joel Jones, with colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Pat Rousseau. Shows us a whole lot of the history of the Esquisitas, the lost Amazon sisterhood that Yara Floor represents. And it is, of course, positively stunning. These, these bits are well tied together with the story of the upcoming contest to determine the new status quo on Themyscira. Add to that, Cassie's ongoing investigation into, well, something I don't want to spoil in case people haven't read these issues yet. And fine issue. I, I will say, though, it was a bit more of a stage setter than I might have anticipated. Of course, since this book was actually intended as part of Ms. Jones's now-canceled Wonder Girl series, I mean, I guess it's understandable, so what can you do? Saga 57, Fiona Staples, Brian K. Vaughan was, as is always the case, a book of so many layers across the various story threads, it's hard to describe it without getting in the way of others' perceptions. Suffice mm-hmm. it to say mm-hmm. that we get some insight into Alana's time on the run, some robot shenanigans, and an out-of-this-world concert, with all of it sprinkled with the requisite humor, and perhaps just a soupçon of menace just to spice things up. Not much else to say about Saga except welcome back. I mean, mm. yeah, how, it did seem like it was 10 years, even though it was, what, three? <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> like that. It seemed like a long time. Now, speaking of Menace, I had a neat find in the dollar bins this week, which was Marvel Premiere 27, Satana, the Devil's Daughter from 1975, which was her first full-color solo starring book after debuting in the Black and White Vampire Tales 2 that I have around here somewhere, but in case you missed it, it is reprinted in the back of this book. Uh, some guest spots with her brother, Damon Hellstrom, the son of Satan. Uh, that sort of makes sense. Look, nothing earth-shattering here, but just a cool bit of 70s fun by Chris Claremont, amazingly, and I think Tony DeZoniga, who was the main part of the collective back then known as The Tribe. And look, this had me digging through the, through the boxes for some other Satana appearances, so... Who knows? You might be hearing some more about the Devil's Daughter one of these days. <laughs> and that's it for me, actually. Where to begin? <laughs> Saga 57. Saga in general. It's so nice that this book is back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to be at a loss for his name. But who is Bombazine. the koala? Yeah. Bombazine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's growing on me. Oh, he's, he's, he's probably got. I was trying to think, you know, I was trying to just some hints, you know, there's some little like, you know, little, uh, ooh, maybe there's something else going on here. And uh, part of the problem with the, not problem, but part of the challenge with the book having been so long and then plus the year, the, the few years gap is I'm like, has he been in the book before? <laughs> like, is it? Is he a throwback to something else that we've seen already? So I don't know. Maybe I will just have to go back and reread the entire thing, uh, like Aaron did. But no, I, I think he's a, he's when in the first issue back, I was a little like, ah, I don't know if I'm into this guy. Um, but now a few issues in, I'm definitely like, yeah, this is cool. I like being able to see his relationship with Alana. Like until now, he was kind of just a babysitter, but they have their own language in this issue where they, they kind of speak in code Mm -hmm. to one another about their, their situation. Yeah. And it was really, it was cool because that was like, to my knowledge, the first time that we got to see 
a real connection between the two of them that they've obviously spent enough time together at this point in, in their friendship or whatever that they've been able to develop this um, defense mechanism of sorts, you know, in case, cause they know that they live dangerous lives. And so they've had to develop this system. And I just thought it was really cool to see that in the works. There's also some really um, surprisingly heavy, like body image stuff in this uh, issue. Uh, I don't want to say what, because it's a, it's a pretty devastating beat, but um, Alana uh, confesses some stuff and and shows us some things that, you know, if you replace one thing for another, it could, it could mean a whole lot to, to some people. I don't know. It reminded me of somebody that I know and uh, it hit me pretty, pretty hard in those moments. But um, yeah, so is, I have two questions. One is Hazel now a guitar player? Are we going to see her grow into this instrument and become this like badass musician throughout this series? I hope so. Okay. And my other question, this is not a spoil. Well, it's maybe a spoiler if you're not caught up with Saga from the first arc uh, or the first round of books, up to 54, we'll say. And this might sound nuts, but I want to get everybody's opinions on this real quick. Do you think that there's any way that Marco comes back. No, no, no. I think I, in other books, yes. In this book for what it's meant for all these years. No. Yeah. Okay. The only way is if they pull some kind of magic stuff, yeah. but I don't think that that is a viable, I, like, I don't think it's a viable story thread for this book. I think it actually hurts okay. the book if they do. Yeah. Like if there was nothing left of him, I would I wouldn't even be asking the question, but I just I've read enough science fiction. I've seen I've read enough comics to know like a lingering thread when I see it. Mm. And just the idea that some part of him, some part of him that has his DNA in it, if you will, still still exists. And if like, what if there's some kind of magic or some kind of, I don't know, like cloning device healing factor can regrow himself (laughs) from his own skull. We're gonna do some why the last man stuff over here. Yeah. Well, we I mean we've had ghosts in this book before, so you could see something maybe oh, spiritual like that, but not like a full blown he's back. Right. Okay. Okay. I just I just wanted to ask. I it, it occurred you know, to me when I was reading Saga. Yeah, and the other crazy thing is like we're getting another 50 issues, right? That's what they said. Like we did 55, we got 55 more. So it's like that's five years of storytelling. You know, if not a little bit longer, yeah, we could go 40 issues and then all of a sudden, boom, here we are, end game, some sort of, you know, machinations happen and then all of a sudden Mark goes back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It would have to really serve. <laughs> and I, I, the other thing is like, I try, I, like Saga is Saga and it is one of the best books out there storytelling wise. So if they do choose to go the, that route, I'm sure it would be such an incredible narrative mm. choice you know the reason to yeah. do it i don't think it would be a gimmicky reason to do it um this would be the team i'd trust to do it. yes at this point though having it just happened three issues ago technically and yeah. st- that's still being that that wound still being fresh i would be so pissed off <laughs> if, yes. if, if they brought it back but three years <laughs> down the line uh and if the trajectory of the story takes us in a certain way maybe I've got it. Bombazine is actually Marco in disguise. 
Well, uh, <laughs> that would be a three-year. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna count it out. <laughs> I'm not gonna count it out. You never know. You never know. This this series has surprised on more than a few occasions. Mm. Um, do you think that they ever adapt this for live action? No. Yeah, we talked about I, this. It'd be so hard to do. You would lose yeah. so many elements of it. I think they're going to try, yeah. and it'll be yeah, about as, it'll be about as successful as Why the Last Man was. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bummer because Why the Last Man actually had a lot of promise, but I think what would happen is they would be like, let's do Saga, and they would do a season, and they would be like, this show is insanely expensive, and there's no, and they would cancel it. Yeah, that's what they, that's what they, I think would happen. It's wild how much the like the entertainment sphere has been changing in just the last couple of years. I saw a trailer for something the other day, a new like comedy series with Craig Robinson, who I love. And then like I watched I got to the end of the trailer. I was watching it for work and I was like, canceled in one season. Mm-hmm. Easy. Mm-hmm. Like you will get the season. This will not continue beyond unless there's something I'm not seeing in, from this trailer. Like, and there could be, but woof. And also, I mean it would be so ex- incredibly expensive to do because so much of it is invented. So much of it is such a, a legitimately kind of like fantasy series, you know, top to bottom. Like there would have to be so many uh, modifications made to like the freaking the freaking television head dudes. Like, like, what if? like you would have to do that. So either you do something animated. Man, uh, yes. Or yeah, yeah. or it's just a comic book. And th- and this is the other thing that people are starting to kind of realize is that there are some stories that operate in this media. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them, I think, you know. Um, yeah, no, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. But like, what what is it? Wait, how do you pronounce the name again? Villanueva? Dennis Villanueva? Like, Denis Villanueva? Villanueva, whatever. <laughs> what if, what if one morning he just, he woke up and he's like on the toilet and all of a sudden he's just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the switch to TV. No, and I'm gonna adapt Saga. They would wouldn't want to never. They would never give Denis Villeneuve uh, free reign. <laughs> they would never do that. Free reign? Are you kidding me? Dune cost hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're letting him make that second movie like four years from now. You know, like that is that timeline <laughs> is madness. And Saga, I think, would wait. It's coming out next year. No, it's not. 2023. I know that's what they say. <laughs> but as I've said about every announcement, Craven and this one and all that, it's like hey. until I see the trailer, that movie is not coming out. And even when I see the trailer, like Morbius, they still might push it back. So. I have faith that Dennis can do it. <laughs> Denis, Denis, let, Denis me, move. let me ask you know, the question. <laughs> Who amongst you is going to take the bullet for Morbius? This coming weekend. Uh, Is anybody going to see it? I probably am with my son. I you, you're a Venom He's, fan. I'm surprised you're not going to see it, Steve. Bob. I can see it for five bucks. If it's at if it's at Sayville for five dollars, I'll go see it. That sounds I that think, sounds real good. I think I have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the early responses have been so obvious you know like like yes the movie gets delayed covid delays whatever and then they delay it again five times (laughs) and and they release that trailer and all of that nonsense 
And every review that comes out is like, what did you expect? What did you expect? What did you expect? It's almost like I, and, and the other thing is like, I think Sony is just banking on people going to see a train wreck. Like they want people like the way they're marketing it, the way that they have the director coming out and doing interviews, spoiling the entire film. It, it, it's, it's madness. It is madness how this film is being marketed right now. And I, I, it almost makes me want to see it, which is like terrible, but <laughs> more we dare you to see it like, that's what it feels like that is legitimately what it feels like i have more of a problem with how much it costs to go to the movies that's, as opposed to yeah. actually just going to see it yes of course if this was on went, video on demand i'd be fine but like we went to go see the batman last weekend at, at imax and granted it was imax but between the two of us between me picking up the tickets and brad picking up the snacks it was like an eighty dollar night yeah. just to go, and I, I was I'm not paying eighty dollars or something comparable for Morbius. You know what I mean? Like I need to see that in an afternoon, like garbage theater, <laughs> no nice seats, no nothing. Oh, God, uh, see my my little theater during the pandemic, they re upped everything. Their their picture presentation is still where it is. It's it's. <sighs> It's above mediocre. It is not IMAX, but they have Dolby right. Atmos. They have stadium seating, big, big fancy chairs, though they don't recline. And it's five dollars to get in, and I can buy a popcorn and a soda for a total of six dollars. Yeah. No. Listen. Look, I'm That's an AMC A list member. That's uh, you know, I'm A list. That's me. <laughs> Twenty bucks a month. I get as many movies as I want. Three, oh, I think that it's like works. Three, three movies yeah. a week. It's a really wonderful deal. That is, but just. but I but I only have to go to AMC. I can only go to AMC theaters. But so for me, the problem is Morbius. <laughs> that is the problem. For me. It's, the, it's not. It's not. Oh, the popcorn things or like the tickets. No, the problem is the film for me, and I just cannot look. Bring myself I'm looking, to I'm do up, it. <laughs> I'm on the site right now. Friday, April first. They're only showing it in Ultra AVX D box. Ultra AVX and VIP. Those are all at minimum $18 tickets yeah. a piece. Think of what date it is. Right Maybe it's a joke don't... too. It's April Fool's. Because no, because they're thinking because this is You want to see this? Hey. This hey. they're they're banking on Morbius being a spider adjacent film or whatever, being marketed as such to be one of their big temples to bring people in to see it. Are they on coke? Oh, what are they thinking? Jesus Why do I have this God. vision of people going on April 1st and they just show No Way Home again? Yeah. <laughs> that would be incredible. Look, $6.85 it is, it is, for a soda water. It is madness. And the thing that is annoying me so much, as I've talked about on the show before, is just like all of the clickbait that like oh, comes yeah. out of like Morbius and all this. Like, director says Spider-Man is yeah. coming. Director says this. Post-credit scene <laughs> reveals this. And I'm like, I don't care a lot. I love when we talk about this stuff in this context because that is literally my job. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I am part of the problem. But you at least discern. You're like, that's crap. In my defense, I, I do tend to pick and choose my stories and I don't include a lot of that fluff. Mm-hmm. I'm enthusiastic, but I'm not uh, not getting down on the... Never mind. The Go thing, ahead. The Continue. thing that I am... The thing... <laughs> The thing that is going <laughs> to aggravate me so much watching this movie, and I wish Aaron was here to talk about it because I think he and I are the same page about this. 
is the Sony stuff is just so aimless. Like it's just like there's there's they are just throwing everything at the wall and just banking on people showing up because like mm-hmm. the the chance that it connects to some Spider-Man something or other is is like they're just con- they're just going to keep teasing us because the second they actually try to put the legwork in to build a universe or connect these movies together it's going to collapse like a house of cards around them um <laughs> so they're just going to keep teasing us they're going to keep teasing us in the trailers and then editing it all out in the final cut of the film and they're going to keep saying like oh yeah madam web like oh it's going to it's going to link over no it's not get the hell out of here but they're going to keep saying it's going to keep bringing us back and and I personally am just at the point where I'm like, I am not playing this game mm-hmm. anymore. I am tired. My feet hurt. Like, I just, I don't <laughs> yeah. like, I am over it. What's messing me up about this Robo Burger business <laughs> <laughs> is that if you look at the machine itself, it looks like it's called Burger Robo. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, start with motion poster. Start with the motion poster. Yeah, there's a, there's a motion poster for Morbius that's actually pretty cool. It's, um, like it starts off as a regular, you know, just Morbius image. And then his clawed hand rips through the poster and kind of like tears it. And his, his face comes out and it like, it legitimately looks like it's a part of the building. It's really, it's quite neat. Uh, it was, there were uh, videos of it going around online a couple of days ago. It was, it was fun. I was like, wow, that's a, that's the coolest thing that i've gotten from this movie so far yeah, you know you know would make uh, this movie completely worthwhile no matter what else happens in it post credit sequence aaron taylor johnson rolls up in the cray van from squirrel girl <laughs> i know you're hoping for a craven that is fun bob yes, and i don't think not, you're gonna get it i know i'm not but i'm hoping Everything in this universe is dark, dark. It's 2005. It's 2005. Yeah, that's very true. You know, it's Daredevil, Elektra, Blade Mm -hmm. 3, you know, like, which, to be clear, at that time, those movies were, they're cool, you know, and Mm -hmm. and they're like, everyone's in leather, you know. (laughs) But I think that the storytelling has evolved since then. Um, particularly at Marvel and and at Warner Brothers, to be fair. I know we rag on, on the WBDC movies a lot, too, but you know they've they've evolved, and a lot of ways the yeah, Sony sure. films, the Sony films still feel like they're stuck in two thousand and five, two thousand seven, yeah. two thousand eight. You know, and uh, but it's they like, haven't broken out. But it's like Aaron says too; they haven't evolved and they haven't changed, but they still get to slap that Marvel logo on it. Exactly, and the exactly. average fan thinks that this is connected to Avengers yeah. or Captain America, and it just. It diminishes the the it diminishes the product. And the worst part of it all is that they made that banger of a film into the Spider Verse, so you yeah. know they got the chops if they just you know that's a mm-hmm. that's a separate entity. I know it's a separate entity. I know it's a separate entity. They okayed totally it. Understand that. Exactly. Get and they that allowed pro- it get, to do its yeah. thing. Get that producer mm-hmm. to come oversee a, their Spider Verse movies. It'll work. Or give them yeah. the same freedom because yeah. into the Sp- the part of the reason why Into the Spider Verse is so good is that they they took the chances style- aesthetically, they took the mm-hmm. chances storytelling, they stayed true to the source material, they were telling a, a story that felt like it was the story they wanted to tell and not like something that produ- pro- you know producers and editorial kind of came in and cut up before a release, yeah. you know. Spoke to such a different <laughs> audience than the things they're grind- grinding out now. That's for sure. Sorry to derail Bob's lightning round. No, 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 no. We're still doing it. We're still doing Bob's lightning round. 
I'll talk about Ms. Marvel Beyond the Limit for a minute. <laughs> um, I hadn't I hadn't read it up until now. It's very good. It's very good. I don't know if I'm following all of the threads. I'm a little confused uh, about. Okay, hold on. Multiversal Kamala. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? Ms. Marvel. I've always been a little fuzzy on how her powers work. I know that at the tail end of G. Will Wilson's run, they tried to explain away how she is basically borrowing from future versions of herself. It's like a push and pull with her powers. (laughs) And I get that in theory. It's like this happy little cloud floating around my head. But the minute that I try to grab at it, My hand just goes right through, and I feel like someone at some point in this character's history needs to do some kind of a, like, definitive, simple explainer as to how exactly that works. Because even hearing it again in this series, I read it, like, four times in a row because I was like, oh, they're talking about it again. Cool. And I read it, and I'm like, huh. I, all right, let's read it again. Let's try again. And I just, I kept falling off the bike. <laughs> it's like, I need somebody to explain this to me. You know, because I get it. You no, know, it would have been better if they hadn't tried to explain it and just left it as in Biggin. Once we got yeah. into the who's who uh, in DC or the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, yes, it's great. Do I need to know exactly how many tons the thing can pick up? Who cares? Really, right. he does what he does, and the, the, should Spider Man have been able to lift that huge machinery off him back in? Was it is that Spider Man thirty three? John, you're better at this. Those yeah, I believe are, that's right, it. Right. Yeah, no, he can't. But that last burst of Marvel adrenaline or whatever it is. <laughs> Once we start right. to explain how Kamala does what she does, then it's going to turn into that. How does that work exactly? It it doesn't matter. I'll it doesn't say this. matter. It really does. It's comics. It's, it's comics. comics. Exactly. Just stop it. Yeah. This is this is not a knock on G. Will Wilson. You all know how much I love Ms. Marvel, favorite Marvel character, the whole bit, right? I just feel like that part of her character, like, oh, God. Never mind. Well, it's funny you say that because clearly Kevin Feige felt the same way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I, my only hope is that Beyond the Limit doesn't end with them – Trying to make her powers fit mm, what's coming I'm in the TV show, yeah, that's which is what I think they did with the America Chavez mini last year. Yeah, that right. A few right. of us read and we're like, wow, they really just totally grounded this character in many mm-hmm. ways. Hmm, I wonder why. Is it because this character is about to debut in the films? Right. Um, I will say this though, I do have a couple of other positives for the series in general. I really, really enjoyed the first I'm, – I'm enjoying it overall, but like the first issue of the series I thought was a lot of fun. The kind of Bollywood fever dream <laughs> that that issue is and that what it sets up, I kind of wish that there was more of that. And like we've kind of gone into this other, this other Kamala or this other character being able to kind of borrow and use her powers in the multiverse and blah, 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 blah. Um, I felt like the story was a little more interesting when we were caught in that dream and Kamal was trying to decipher it. 
I noticed something about myself. I miss part of what makes Ms. Marvel so special for me is not just Kamala, but like the whole cast, mm-hmm. her like all of her friends and Nakia and Zoe uh, Bruno and, yeah. and so on. Right. And like, they're they're used very sparingly in this, almost like cameo characters. And I understand, like it's only four issues and everything. But when when a character has been absent for a while and you're bringing them back, like it it would have sat better with me, I think, if everyone was involved. I just think that there's something missing from this story where you don't have that chemistry with the other people you don't have Kamala bouncing off of like the other great personalities within that world and story. Um, but still like, it's nice that there's a Ms. Marvel book in general because there always should be. And I like the idea of other people getting a crack at the character. I think the characterization in this is pretty good. Even if not all of the story beats are hitting for me on, on every level. So that is my, Two cents about Ms. Marvel beyond the limit. There you go. Yeah. Good stuff though. It's cool. Is it how it's a limited, right? I think it's five issues. Okay. That, they, they can't print six in a graphic, uh, a trade paperback collection anymore. You got to do five. <laughs> Gross. Where's this world coming to? Tracing paper. Uh, yeah, there were, there were complaints last week about some of Marvel's yeah. books. I saw that about the Hulk was like on very, onion like onion film paper yeah and the covers weren't even slick apparently yeah. it was like wow it's a pulp <laughs> magazine from the 30s How lovely all right joey what do you got for us snap okay here we go i um have two graphic novels well one a gra- one's a graphic novel one's a graphic memoir for you uh let me start with i'll start with the graphic memoir this is called messy roots a graphic memoir of a wuhanese american uh, by Laura Yuyang Gao. Um, so basically, well, let me start here. Actually, my bookstore, my local bookstore that I talked about last week on the show, um, they're moving locations to closer to my house, which I'm very excited Ooh. about. Uh, not my wallet, but I'm very excited <laughs> to have it here. Um, and they were doing like a you know moving sale, and they had this basically this whole setup of um, new graphic texts, and I picked up two. Both published by HarperCollins. Uh, the first one, like I said, Messy Roots, a graphic memoir of a Wuhanese American by Laura Yuyang Gao. Um, so here's the back of the book. After spending her early years in Wuhan, China, riding water buffaloes and devouring stinky tofu, Laura immigrates to Texas, where her hometown is as foreign as Mars, at least until 2020, when COVID-19 makes Wuhan a household name. In Messy Roots, Laura illustrates her coming of age as the girl who simply wants to make the basketball team, escape Chinese school, and figure out why girls make her heart flutter. Insightful, original, and hilarious, toggling seamlessly between past and present China and America, Gao's debut is a tour de force of graphic storytelling. Um, And I agree with that sentiment entirely. I think the book owes a lot to uh, Malaka Garib's I Was Their American Dream from a couple of years ago. I don't know if anybody got a chance to read that one. Um, It's First of all, it is an experimentation in the form. There's a lot of kind of um, moments in the text where, you know, she she plays with what constitutes visual narratives, both in terms of how, temporally, how she's bouncing us between these moments in her life, um, spatially, obviously, too, these different countries, but also just in terms of what's literally on the page. Sometimes it's a diary entry that's 
rendered visually. Sometimes it's like a step-by-step how to be um, American kind of thing. There's a great sequence that's very Scott, Mc- uh, not Scott McCloud, Scott Pilgrimy, uh, where it's like, you know, the different characters you can play is, are you playing the artsy Asian? Are you playing the assimilated, you know, whitewashed Ooh. Asian? Are you playing? Th- it's very cool. And all the, like the, like the, um, the strengths and weaknesses of those characters. It's a really, really wonderful, wonderful book. Um, and that messy roots title ends up being kind of a central conceit of the whole piece. You know, she talks about her hair, obviously messy roots, but of course the messy roots becomes a metaphor for, you know, where exactly her identity lies. Um, what I love about graphic memoirs is that nine times out of 10, they will be about the complexities of identity <laughs> uh, going all the way back to Bechtel and, and all that stuff. Um, and more often than not kind of the queering of identity too. So Laura Gow's messy roots is a stunning, stunning graphic memoir. Um, and compound that of course, with the, the, the race, racial element of being, you know, from Wuhan um, in, in amid COVID, I think is such a, a wonderful starting point for this book as well. So um, incredible, incredible text, Messy Roots, a graphic memoir of a Wuhanese American. Um, the other HarperCollins graphic novel that I picked up is called Squire by Sarah Alfagy and Nadia Shamas. I don't know, Bob, if you remember, but um, Sarah was on the Orientalism panel at Comic-Con. I don't know if you went there with me and Carolyn. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, so Carolyn and I went to this Orientalism panel um, at Comic-Con 2019 or whatever. And Sarah Alfagy, I think, was there. And, and, and she was no, talking wait, I think about I did. Squire. No, I think I did. I think yes, did yes, too. I did. Yeah. Yes. And, and she was talking about Squire. And she was, she was showing us some, some images of it. She's the artist on this. Nadia Shamas is the writer on it. And she was showing us some images of it and it looks so freaking cool. And then she was like, yeah, it's going to come out in 2022. And I was like, girl, what? That is three years from now. <laughs> like you cannot tease me like that. And I went to her table and I said that to her. I was like, I want Squire right now. Like the, the, the images you shared with us look so cool. Um, and she was very, very kind of um, effusive about it. And I was so, so happy to uh, finally see this book released. Um, and I saw it on the stand. I think it was the last copy there. And I grabbed it. I was like, I need to read this book. It is a hefty tome. It's like almost 400 pages, um, but it is an Whoa. incredible, it's like 350. <laughs> I might be exaggerating. Um, and there's a ton of back matter about the process and the history and the, it's, it's just a really wonderful graphic novel. And I haven't even told you what it's about yet. So <laughs> it is about um, Isa has always dreamt of becoming a knight. It's the highest military honor in the once great Bait Saji Empire. And as member of the subjugated or new people, knighthood is her only path to full citizenship. Ravaged by famine and mounting tensions, Bait Saji finds itself on the brink of war once again. So Isa finally enlists in the competitive squire training program. Um, and then, you know, we have some more kind of, you know, Yo. narrative stuff. As the pressure mounts, Isa realizes the greater good might not include her. And uh, then we have this. It's just a really wonderful story. Isa is, you know, she's or new. She has to hide who she is because she's basically a refugee in this empire. And she's like, the only way for me to save my family is to join the army of the people that are oppressing us in this empire. It's like that alone as the starting point is like mwah, the drama is there. Um, 
And then, of course, you go through that coming of age narrative of her, of her, you know, training and meeting friends and finding out what the military is really all about. And she makes that she, she there's this big beefy janitor who's like, I'm mysterious, but I'll train you. And then you find out things about his past. It is a classic fantasy narrative imbued with. Sarah Alpha G and Nadia Shamas's kind of um, um, Middle Eastern kind of cultural background and that mythology and that tradition and the the role of Arabic in the story and the role of of their real their history and their experience as um, hyphenated Americans coming from a region of the world that is so often stereotyped in a very particular way. They have imbued this fantasy narrative with that. And it, it, and it, it, it just rings so, so wonderfully. Um, I cannot talk highly enough about this book. It, it had Nimona vibes. Um, it, it was, it's just wonderful. It is so wonderful. Um, Squire, also Harper Collins, Sarah Alpha G, Nadia Shamas and messy roots, a graphic memoir of a Wuhanese American. Those are my graphic texts for the week. I've also been watching Bridgerton season two. <laughs> I was in the notes. I was told not to spoil anything, so I won't please don't, but Bridgerton season two, I'm about halfway through. Because the episodes are like an hour and 15 minutes this year. It is madness. Um, the breakout steamy period romance from Shondaland creator Chris Van Dusen based on Julia Quinn's novel set during the recent Regency era's high stakes world of debutantes and proposals. <laughs> the season focuses on the eldest Bridgerton's son, Anthony, played broodingly, ironically by Jonathan Bailey and his efforts to find a wife introduced are the Sharma family with elder spinster daughter, Kate Sharma played by Simone Ashley and eligible debutante Edwina Sharma played by Charithra Chandran. And of course, so much drama. (laughs) The stakes are so high. I watch it with Emily and Emily. Emily's always like, there are no stakes in this show. They're just like, it's just they're just falling in love and proposing and it's like oh i can't propose he's not in my class whatever it's like no i was like the stakes are so high there's money the dowries the love the sex the family name the reputation it's such a vibe i love it so 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 much i'm so invested the last two episodes i watched episode three and four and they're like hovering like they're hovering. Their faces are so close. And my like, I felt it. I felt it in my chest. I felt it in my <laughs> tummy. Oh my God. I felt it in other places. Oh, it is so, Whoa. it is such a, it's <laughs> such a vibe. It, Bridgerton. Mwah, mwah. I love it. I love it. Got four episodes left. That's my, that's my lightning round. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait to get back to it. We're, uh, we got to finish The Witcher season two. Boring. On Get on Bridgerton. <laughs> We're enjoying it. I like The Witcher. Do you want to see some butts? Watch Bridgerton. I did. There's a lot less butts in uh, Witcher season two than there were in season one. We rewatched season one before watching two. <laughs> and man, that that show was a nudorama. Because they always get the, <laughs> the second season contract always gets less nudie. I guess so. Look at uh, I gotta draw, draw you in with those those butts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I too remember Squire coming up from way back when, 
And uh, you spoke so highly of it that I just bought it. Yeah, dude. Like I remember, like it was, it was back in I, literally October, 2019. That's when I saw those pages and I was like, this book looks awesome. Like not yeah. to mention, of course, like the, the cultural background that informs it and where they're coming from as artists and trying to tell a fantasy story that they feel like has never really featured them. Right. Like we've all seen 300, you know, we've all seen, you know, the, the kingdom of heaven and all this and, and the way that, that the Middle East is often stereotyped and portrayed in that media. So the fact that they are taking that yeah. and, and reframing that in this fantasy narrative, I think is so wonderful. Um, and they talk very openly about that at the back of the book in the back matter. But I remember thinking like, give me this book now. Like if this, like give it to me right now. And I had to wait several years. And then when I saw it, I was like, that's the book. That's it. I've been waiting for that book. Um, and it, I read it in a one morning, like I just banged through it. It's, it's incredible. Did you, did you get the uh, hard cover or the soft cover? Uh, I got the soft cover. I, like I said, this was the only copy they had at the store. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it says it doesn't actually come out here until March. Oh, wait, March 8th. So, yeah, it's available. Yeah, it literally Man, just dropped a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had my my months confused. Time has been uh-huh. a little bit. Like, it's hardcore snowing here again now. Oh, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. The world is in such disrepair. Yeah. Oh, but it is anyway. wonderful. Uh, messy roots. Oh, how was the, how was the recap for Bridgerton? Like when you go to that first episode and they're like, Oh, do you yeah. want us to recap? It was it like, you? it was like a three or four minute recap. It was pretty good. It was good. Comprehensive. It had all the, all the big beats. Yeah. All right. Cause I'll tell you, that Witcher one that they provided for season you know? two. I watched that thing and I went, what? Seems like you should drop Witcher and <laughs> hop over to the ton. No, man. I like the fantasy stuff. I like the creatures. There's not as many. I'll, I'll give you that. There's not as many in this season so far. But um, I don't know. I like I like Cavill in that role. And I like series story. So I'm enjoying it. Don't yuck on my yum. <laughs> <laughs> to use your own words against you. Uh, John. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna be all right there, buddy? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, I don't. I've, I've never heard of Bridgerton. <laughs> Bridgerton. It, well, I mean, Joey just described. Yeah, it to no, you. I got it you. is like it's it's for it's Downton Abbey for people that don't watch Downton Abbey. That is <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> I just imagine a bunch of people proposing to each other and having sex and moving that's on. actually what happens but lady whistle downs yeah there's newspaper a, there's a whole, is so spicy yeah there's a whole it's all about gossip it's basically just like yes yeah okay yeah just imagine everyone in like period outfits like being like who should i propose to oh goodness i can't propose to them they don't have a dowry oh my goodness my family name must mean that i must marry someone not for love but for status and it's like no but you must find a love match and it's like love matches are impossible and it's like no love is for real and i'm just like oh god it's like Harry it's Grant's like a live action webtoon <laughs> it's a vibe it's a vibe right. it's how the internet i it. sat down to watch that with Bronwyn when it came out and i was totally ready to just kind of like laugh my way through it. I got so sucked in. You get sucked in. I got very much sucked in. And episodes were ending and we were just looking at the clock and be like, ah, we can we can do one. <laughs> You're like, more. It's, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be a little tired tomorrow. It's cool. I need to find it's out what's happening with Daphne. Um Okay. Last bit, and then we'll get to, to John's thing. But uh Moon Knight this Wednesday. Yeah. 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 
Looking forward to that. Yeah. You mean today, um, Steve, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Oh, right. Wednesday. That's right. That's that's what today is. By gum. All right. All right. <laughs> John. Go. I I I'll explain in a moment, but I had very limited time to read this week, so I only got to read King of Spies number three and four, Mark Miller and Matteo Scaleri with uh, colors by Giovanni Nero and Clem Robbins on letters. So if you don't remember the premise of King of Spies, Roland King, Britain's greatest spy, who knows where all the bodies are buried because he put them there, has six months to live. And in those six months, he decides that he is going to put all the real bastards of the world in the ground and pay back for all the awful things that he had to do over the course of his career as Britain's greatest spy. So for the last three issues, we've seen Roland put his affairs in orders. Uh, he's fed oligarchs to polar bears. Uh, he's blown up ex-presidents on their planes. Uh, he took a previous pope and turned him over to the families of all the victims that he helped cover up of the Catholic Church's scandals and on and on and on. He's dealt with twins that he accidentally, well, not accidentally, he um, uh, eviscerated uh, one of the twins so they have no lower body. So the twins have figured out how to fight with one strapped to the other's back. Um, oh, my God. It's, this is Mark Miller madness that only maybe Mark Miller can actually pull off. And it culminates in a cacophony of violence that only a Miller and Scolari book could pull off. It's got heart, though. It's touching. It's got commentary. <laughs> I I really enjoyed this book. We've all been uh, really raving about um, uh, Magic Order, and this this is a totally different genre. But it's got that that human feel to it in over the top action sequences. Um, it's only four issues. It's it's well worth your time. You can read it in probably half an hour. Um, but it's really good if you ever get a chance to check it out. And I was going to read a lot more books, but then my youngest child decided that she needed to get something off of a top shelf. And rather than pulling over a step stool, oh, she no. pulled over her trampoline. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, if you, Bob, maybe you saw this. Do you ever see the episode of the David Letterman show where he launches himself yeah, onto the wall onto of the Velcro? My little one decided to jump, not jump up, but run and jump at the trampoline. And she flew into the basement wall in a perfect, like, angel pose and bounced back. And let's just say she was no no emergency room this time. Everything was good. But she was very upset and decided that she needed to be cuddled for the better part of the afternoon when I was going to do some reading. So instead we caught up, we were going to catch up on discovery, which I did. But before I could get to discovery, I decided to check out some truly high fiction, well made television in halo (laughs) season (laughs) episode one of halo. Okay. Uh, The paramount plus television show based on, the very popular game. Um, I can't say that I played a lot of Halo. I, I know that I played a little bit when 
between uh, when I'm back in my single days, between marriages, when I had a whole hell of a lot of free time. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember much of it. But I really enjoyed this show. So you got Pablo Schreiber, Liv's younger brother, apparently, who I did not know existed. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Lieb, Lieb, no, wait, I don't know, whatever. Um, starring as Master Chief Petty Officer John 117, one of the Spartan soldiers uh, who lands on the planet Madrigal just as the Covenant forces wipe out the colony. Um, it's 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 exactly what you think it is. It's it's uh, a violent first 20 minutes introducing this uh, conflict between aliens and humans. And then you have a human civil war going on. You have these these genetically produced Spartan soldiers. But it, it it's got potential. It, it it's funny, Carolyn and I, we were talking about Babylon five a couple weeks ago. This has very obviously CGI cartoony almost um, uh, moments, but it works in this context. There's scenes where, you know, you have uh, master chiefs heads up display, which is straight out of the video game, but you got human drama. You got some, some really cool characters. Uh, It's, it's, I didn't know what to expect, but I liked it more than I thought I was going to. And, um, it's it's just fun a fun fifty minutes with uh, lots of cool action, lots of sci fi goodness, and and I'm interested to see where it goes this season. And so we cuddled up and watched that, and then caught up with most of Discovery, which I will agree with Joey that this season really picks up after episode seven and is just going places. So that was my weekend. Rather than reading comic books, I caught up on a lot of sci fi television, and I'm done. There you go. Hey, listen. Your daughter's feeling okay, Every- right? That's what's important. Oh, she's fine. She's fine. She's tough. <laughs> Did she? What was she trying to get? She was trying to get. We we were in the basement, and we have like a little gymnasium, not gymnasium, but like obstacle course almost. <laughs> and uh, so we have like we have like a climb. Well, it was COVID, so we built all this stuff to keep them inside. So we have like a climbing wall, and we have like a like a bunch of mats, and then we got like this little round trampoline that she just likes to jump on. But then she realizes, I mean, she's like two, two, she's like two, a little over two years. And so she realizes that she can use that to jump over things or jump and get things. And so she wanted something that was on a, um, uh, one of the shelves. And so she figured if she jumped high enough, she could grab it or grab onto the shelf and pull herself (laughs) up. She is truly my daughter. My yeah, mom how, her karma. So how powerful is this trampoline? Because I got to tell you, oh, every no. time that I've jumped on one, it's been disappointing. Oh, it didn't. I, I guess my she jumped. She ran off the couch and jumped off the couch. Oh, she had a run. So she had a run. Right there. And yeah. and she dropped down onto it so that she could get momentum to go upward. Now I don't think if she thought she was going to do like a perfect black widow like landing <laughs> the landing which would have been awesome but no she slammed into the wall and kind of bounced back and got landed on the trampoline and rolled. Now I'm pretty sure that if I wasn't there and didn't see it she wouldn't have cried but since I was there you know she had to she had to put on the show uh in the tears but my son standing my son standing there and he goes Oh my God, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> He's a boy. He's definitely He's a boy. boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did he have his phone out? No, he does. He's not it? allowed to have a phone. He's only eight. Uh, he won't get a phone until he goes to high school. Wow. Yeah. We'll see. Has she been that. watching nope. Spider Man? Maybe she thought she could just stick. Oh to yeah, the wall. absolutely. Yeah, well. I mean, and her her and her sister play dress up superheroes all the time. So maybe she thought she could climb a wall. May Parker, bad influence. Mayday, Nora Mayday Burkle. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God, that's amazing. It, yeah. That could have been I'm glad so to much hear worse. That. As bad as that is, that could have been awful. Oh, oh I, yeah. I was for sure we were going to the hospital on this one. <laughs> Did you ever see those videos? Those like montages of dads saving their kids from getting really yeah. hurt or like run over by cars <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to hear that Halo. Uh, that you enjoyed it. That's cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's just fun. I wonder because, like, I, I, I've like t- at least touched a little bit of like maybe three or four Halo games mm-hmm. in my day, but I wouldn't call myself a fan. Like, I, I don't know the lore at yeah, all. I don't either. Um, so I wonder. I wonder if maybe having less of a knowledge of it and just going into it as looking at it as like a straight sci-fi show could be an advantage. I think so because I don't. I mean, like I said, I played it a few times, but I don't know. I don't know a precursor from a forerunner, from a covenant, all that. Right. And, and so I just kind of dropped in as a first, a first episode sci-fi show, and I. Enjoy, I think that I think you're right that I enjoyed it. If I had been a, a diehard Halo fan, this yeah. might not have landed for me. I've definitely seen some of that online of of people being like, "Oh, you know." In the game, it's this. Yeah. Oh boy, this 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 platform again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. I might. Uh, I don't know how I'll be able to watch it, but uh, if I happen upon it one day, I'll check. Did it out. you see the good news today, Steve? Probably not. DC Infinite is launching in Canada. What? Yeah. So you might start getting access to some of this stuff. When is that? I happening? think it's available now. <gasps> what you yeah. gotta find that you gotta put this stuff in the news I, section, I, man. Sorry, I well, it was bleeding cool, so I didn't. Oh, want to, no, like, no, no, but <laughs> that's that was my response to ah, bleeding cool. I don't put that in the you, chat. You said the forbidden words, John. <laughs> it's like one time pay. I posted something in the chat, and you're like, no, no, that's garbage, stay the fuck away from yeah, that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Canadian Steve. readers can sign up for DC Universe Infinite today, yeah. While resident, uh, published 15 hours ago. Whoa. Um, while residents of Australia and New Zealand can start on March 29th, UK will be April 28th, and then Brazil and Mexico in the summer. Yeah. It's a whole new world. I got to tell you, I. <laughs> it's actually a whole new universe infinite, actually, Ooh. if you think about it. A new fantastic point of view awaits me. Um. <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed the DC Universe Infinite app. I think um, it's great. It, 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 they're still uploading things. Marvel has such a head start on them in terms of like just mm-hmm. their online platform, like 300,000 books or whatever. Um, and there are still a tons of gaps, obviously, in the DC Infinite app. But like they slowly but surely, full runs of things are up mm-hmm. there. You know, we were talking off air about. Um, um, 
uh, Stephanie, Batgirl Stephanie, and uh, I've been able to jump back into you know her run uh, mm-hmm. from the top two, which is really cool. And those are things that like right. I haven't been able to find, you know. So um, I've really been able to connect with characters that I just haven't been able to mm-hmm. because I didn't have any kind of platform that was able to do this. Yeah, I also 70- really appreciate that they put all those milestone books there. They're digital first books where Marvel doesn't do that yes. as much. I've noticed that Marvel's been doing this thing where they like digital motion comic books yeah, the that you've already comics. read. Yeah. And I'm like, these aren't new. Yeah. Get out Interesting. of Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. What is it? Uh well, I mean in USD it's seven ninety nine per month. Like Seventy four ninety nine per year. Bucks a yeah. year. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. I think it's worth it. Even if like so let's just take static for example. You read all six issues of static at four dollars a pop, it's twenty four dollars. Yeah. You get if you them- read all of the milestone books, it's like you know, yeah. you're paying for it right oh, there. Right there. It's true. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, eat, bang, kill, tour. Mm-hmm. 25 bucks right there. I was able to read. Man, I'm trying to get rid of some uh, subscription services. So you find the ones that yeah, but you, you can cut down on value. comicsology here. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. How's everyone's comicsology yeah. going this week, by the way? Uh, hey, Bob, why do you think I read two graphic okay. novels? This week? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> I've been I've been getting my books. It's been fine. It's been just fine, fine. It's for me. It's clunky. for the. I'll say this. I'll say it because we. It's been a minute since we've moaned about the, uh, the comicsology. <laughs> it's been a week. Yeah, it's been at least seven days. <laughs> um, no, seriously though, it, it, I'll say this really quick. It's a it's a pain in the it ass is. to find things that like if you're looking for something that isn't featured if you don't buy if you're not buying something that's new like if you're not looking at the new releases on Tuesday or Wednesday to buy your books heaven help you if you want to look for something else because I'll tell you I don't remember what it was specifically I look up a lot of stuff but I looked for a book the last night of the night before and it not only did it not find it, but it just it gave me everything in Amazon's mm-hmm. you know wow. library where like there was a thermos with this thing <laughs> printed on it and like a t-shirt that's obviously for a four-year-old. And I just the thing about the way that Amazon searches sometimes is that the thing that you're looking for, it has to be typed in so specifically for them to actually find the thing that you you are looking for. That you'll get everything under the sun that corresponds with that product that you're looking for. And it could be in there. It could be on page four or page seven. Mm-hmm. You don't know. Anyway, um, that's been that's been one of the biggest hurdles is if it strikes me to go and look for something that like, oh, I'd like to read that. I was, you know, I don't own it, but let's go and see if it's there. And I couldn't find it. Like I f- straight yeah. up couldn't find it. And I know for a fact that it exists because I saw it on the app, you know, whenever the hell it was that it came out. So purchasing any easy anyway. No, no um, it's still buy now. Eh, it's one click. One, it's always yeah. it's yeah. I mean yeah. it's it's they did their update. You know, they did a whole big old to do about the update this last weekend and it was all kind of it was all um 
kind of aesthetic things. There was know? another one I didn't notice. Yeah, there was. It, I just updated it. I think yesterday or two days ago, and it was okay. like we've edited how the scroll bar looks, and we've updated this, then <laughs> worked out some bugs, and they're not addressing what remains a couple of the core issues, which is what Steve's talking about, which is finding books, literally yeah. just finding yeah. books to read, um, and. Uh, uh, and the purchasing experience, right? Like the, the buy now one click thing, the, what books have you purchased before the fact that it's still not in app, which is mind blowing to me still after all of these updates, you know, the thing about it is that, and we were talking about this at at lunch on Sunday. Um, I was talking about this, I think with Carolyn and you know, it's, it's so clearly now Amazon wants you to buy everything. That's the point, right? Like you buy one click so that they can give you recommendations for other things. And then that'll take you Mm -hmm. down a rabbit hole and you just buy another click and you have no sense of how much you're spending. Right. And I think like one of the key differences for me is like when you went to the old comiXology, which we are never getting back. And I think we all need to kind of come to come to terms with that. Um, The old comiXology knew the difference between a graphic novel and a trade paperback. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Amazon does not. No, Amazon does not. And if you type into the search bar, you know, graphic novel, it'll give you Supergirl Volume Two because that is the kind of search parameters that they're looking for. Like Steve's saying, you know, if you search anything tangentially related to comic books, it'll give you everything related to that character with the hope that you buy things beyond what you went there to actually buy because that's what the website is designed to do. Right. Um, and a lot of the decisions that were made to switch over to this, I think, reflect that. And it's really made the experience not fun. So unless there's a book that I know we are reading all together, like Saga 57, which I bought this week, I will not go on to the site to buy books every Wednesday like I used to. I mean, that's just what it has happened, you know, yeah. and I, I we make our lists and I know what I want and I'll go and get those four or five things because I know four or five things is like 20 bucks and that's how much I'm willing to spend or whatever. And I'm not going to do the search through and finding what's new this week. What are the deals? What are the sales? Because it is totally unwieldy. And I know that the, that the, the goal of me searching new books and searching sales books is not to find new books. Like it was on comiXology to find interesting things. It's to make me buy things. And that I think is so evident that it turned me off from it. Yeah, for now, sure. Was it, uh, it was either Joe, was either yourself or Aaron on Sunday who mentioned that it seems like Comicsology was run by people who knew and loved comics, and Amazon is just well, Amazon. No, I, I think that's clear, you know, and and I think that that's uh, that the change over the changes that have happened reflect that because it's yeah. it's Kindle. They're folding Comicsology into ah, their perfect. Kindle. Yeah. That's what it is, you know, um, and that's you know. It's not a library anymore. It's not a library. It's not a comic shop anymore. It's a warehouse. And if you're lost in a warehouse, you're not going to start roaming around and finding things. You're going to look for the thing that you want. You know, that's what it is. Uh, the Amazon algorithm works for some things, but it is so obvious. Just a, it, it's as if you're reading a book from the index and going backwards into the book and looking for things. Yeah. And that's and I, I, it's so frustrating for people that don't know what they want. You know, yeah. you used to be able to like, if like the comic book shop experience for new readers was one thing, but the comicsology experience, which brought so many readers in so many, Amen. we've talked about this yeah. so many times, right? 
which was these these categorized subcategories, genres, trends, right? Like you know, sales so accessible, not perfect. You know, it did get muddy at times, but it was so. If you were looking for, (laughs) if you were looking for period romance, (laughs) steamy period romances, let's say, you know, you watched a show on Netflix and it really got you going and you wanted to find a steamy period romance comic. <laughs> there was a subcategory for it and you could search for it and find it. Manga you know? sports, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. And and they yeah. were there and there were books and it was just like, it was so, and there were books going back, you know? The other thing is like, as Steve was saying, if it's not on that featured list, it's impossible to find. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yeah, and that featured list sucks because it's part of the messed up UI is that it shoves all of the books to the right column of the screen. Like if I'm on the iPad yeah. and it has in like an entire two columns worth, like more than half of the website page that is just blank white as you scroll and scroll and scroll using this like thin column to choose your books. And you have to keep on pressing the like show more, load more buttons yeah. when there's all that available real estate that they're not using. On I'm the page. really interested. And it's only been a month, which also boggles my mind. <laughs> Cause I feel like we were, yeah, but I'm, I would, I'm really interested to see like end of year reports from these smaller publishers from, and it's hard because we've never really gotten these numbers to begin with, Yeah, you know, like Marvel and DC, they never really gave us the digital reader numbers. So it was really hard to compare but if, if just the word of mouth or just the kind of anecdotal qualitative data we're getting is valid, then, you know, I, I feel like people are taking a hit because yeah. I don't know. It just yeah. feels like it's not good. Hopefully they continue to work on it. And, you know, like you said, it's only been a month. So, you know, we, maybe we need to give it more time. But I just I, 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 I totally agree with you in that we're never getting the old yeah. comicsology back. Oh, and no. like. That one was far from from perfect too, but it did a better job than this thing is doing for sure. So, I mean, hopefully the experience gets better because people have lost a resource for easy access to comics, yeah. you know, for, for the most part. I feel like if you don't know, if you don't go onto that website knowing exactly what you're looking for, if you don't have that list that we read out at the end of every show, you like, good luck to you. Yeah. You know, and, and good luck missing stuff the, too. The other thing that I miss is the the way that the book, like the the solicits, were positioned on the page, and the categories and the age range and the length and the creators were on the right side of the page. Just the, just that layout was so clear as to the kind of book you were getting, who was making it, who it was for. Books that were books that that you could then follow up with the rest of the series, right? That's all gone away, and it looks like an Amazon page. It looks like you're buying something from Amazon. The fo- the thumbnails in the left hand side, and then you have like the solicit, but it's like read more, so you can't even read the whole solicit. It just it 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 is not conducive to browsing. It's not right. conducive to people that are unfamiliar with the, 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 the world of comics and the variety of comics, it's, it's not conducive to, to that experience. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Sorry to Bogart right, Burkle's uh, LR. 
No, that's okay. <laughs> We've gotten some really long. I mean, last week we did Steve's for like an hour and a half on Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he deserved it. <laughs> this is good. This is it's good to veer off, and it's all yeah. related. So, except for Robo Burger, that wasn't really related. <laughs> the Robo Burger bit was great, though. <laughs> I laughed. Look, I need that good energy. I, I, I you know, we're I all going to get an life. awful text from Emily. He tried a Robo Burger. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go well. Oh, worse. We're going to get a text from Robo Burger. Stop slamming our business or we'll see. We're going to get a text from we're gonna the robot. And it's going to be like, please stop <laughs> talking shit about my burgers. I'm in your system now, John. Yeah, the, the Robo Burger like, that pops up on your screen. Hello. Hello, David. Yeah. Did anyone ever see the movie or read the novel Colossus? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. P- please stop, or action will be taken. <laughs> we can get our first cease and desist letter. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Good grief. All right. Uh, I'll talk about some comics. <laughs> so, speaking of advertising and trying to sell you things, I got to the end of Saga the other night. And I saw that step by bleh, if I can talk step by bloody step from Cy Spurrier and Matthias Bergara, uh, the team behind Coda. Oh, it's so and good. Have you read this? I read the first issue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, colors by uh, Matthias Lopez. I think it's M A T H E U S. L O P E S. Yeah, Matthias Lopes. Matthias Lopes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm oh good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you've read this as well. Uh, this was amazing. Oh, it's so good. This was amazing. <laughs> so this is, if you don't know, it's a silent comic. Ooh. There's there's no dialogue. It is there's a, there's language, but it's written in symbols we we can't read it we don't know what any of it means but it's used very sparingly and uh for all in all this book has no dialogue and so you are a you're watching the story of a small child who is traveling with this like titanic this massive almost robot knight and this knight is keeping this child safe and they're traversing just these absolutely ludicrous fantasy worlds with creatures. Like if you thought the creatures were cool from this artist before in stuff like Coda and otherwise, there is some special kind of magic happening in step by bloody step, the environments, the weather conditions, the the massive like kaiju like creatures and monstrosities that they are running into and you're kind of watching this knight struggle to not only protect this child but to also educate it and allow it to be a kid every now and again and it's a very it's a very hard tightrope to walk and um not to spoil like anything about the book but you eventually find out something about the night. It is not exactly what you think it is. Um, And for me, that reveal kind of changed the story up a little bit. And now my head is just absolutely spinning with 
theories as to who these two traveling companions are. And I just, I love that there's no, there's no dialogue. There's so much emotion in the characters and there's so much action going on that you can feel and you can hear everything and you can make up your own story to it. It's really, 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 really impressive. I recommend it to everybody. I think it's a limited series. Um, the Epic does not begin to cover it. it, it it's ridiculous. Uh, Joey, you want to jump on for a second while I bring up my other book? Yeah, totally. I I feel exactly the same way. I remember, I mean, I, I obviously read it because Cyspiria's name was on the front. And then I opened it and I was like, there's no, there's no words in this book. Um, and it's all visual, which is so, so amazing. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an, uh, I think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful book. It is a mini series. I think the second issue is coming out this week, I think. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm 100. It's like going to be at the top of my pile um, in terms of what I'm reading this week, because I just, I need to know, I need to know what the reveal means. I need to know who that is. I need right? to know how you keep this up for five issues. Um, oh, I forgot one thing that I wanted to say. Um, this book does a really amazing job of marking the passage of time, mm. whether it's aging characters up or the changing of the seasons or just the traveling uh, and how how many different places you visit within a set of pages. This is also like a 54 page debut double issue. Uh, all of them just, I think are going to be, Oh God. I think they're all going to be oversized. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Step by bloody step. Number one. Uh, it was, it's awesome. I'm really glad that uh, they were advertising that at the back of saga, because I remember it being on my radar and then just losing track of it. And then all of a sudden it was right there. And I was like, Oh, I got to check that out. It was not expecting what I got. It's very, very, very cool. It's kind of book that makes me love comics. All right. Uh, speaking of books that make me love comics, Rogues Number One, uh, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Leo Max, colors by uh, Mateus Lopes again, mm -hmm. and letters by Hassan Atsbani Alhu. There you go. Sorry, it's a hard one. Um, okay, any fans of superior superior foes of Spider-Man in the house? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Okay. Imagine superior foes of Spider-Man kind of tone, but DC black label. And replace the rogues with Leonard Snart as Captain Cold, Lisa Snart as Golden Glider, James Jesse as the Trickster, Benjamin Turner as Bronze Tiger, uh, Frankie Kane as Magenta, Mick Rory as Heatwave, and Evan McCullough as Mirror Master and Gorilla Grodd. So this book opens with Captain Cold going up to a bar, a bar owned by the Condiment King. It's it's amazing. I'm I'm a little disappointed that there was no name of the of the bar. It just said tavern on the outside of the building. I was really hoping for some kind of like clever and punny bar yeah, name. But whatever. The superheroes know up. what was up. No, nah, it's just tavern. I like it. All right, I see your point. That that's a good point. Uh, so Snart's going up. He's grabbing a round of shots. And as he goes up to the bar, he overhears this conversation 
about Gorilla Grodd's island and how he never has to worry about money because there is a you know amount of untold fortune in gold on his island that they've there's so much of it that they've just stopped counting it. So this kind of stays with Captain Cold as he goes back to the table and there are all of his rogues gallery and they're all hanging out and they're talking shop and they're talking like, you know, like office uh, break room type of type of atmosphere with these villains. And so they're talking about who's sleeping with who and whatnot. And Captain Cold is just sitting there and he's fixated on what he's just heard at the bar. Flash forward to 10 years later and all of them are older all of them have retired. Some of them are being watched by their parole officers. Um, some of them are like instructors for self-defense places. Some of them are just trying to survive and get their medication and not have to pay an arm and a leg for it. And so everybody's basically tried to move on and, and pick up the pieces of their lives and do something different with themselves. And Captain Cold is working at what looks like a box factory. <laughs> I think it's more than that. But he basically ends up getting a promotion, which is nice. But then he overhears a conversation from his bosses about why he's being promoted. And it just it's one of those like you've been you've been holding on to this stuff for 10 years, trying to go straight. And this was just the last straw. People laughing at you like he wasn't mr freeze he was captain cold oh right the stupid one with oh, you man. know the glasses and the <laughs> this and then that and them just cackling and laughing and it sends him over the edge and so he has this like bag that his parole officer didn't find and it's all these pieces to his equipment he starts building new gadgets and he does this like Ocean's Eleven style roundup of all of the different rogues that were in his in his rogues group way back when with the ultimate job. And the job is the Gorilla Grodd job that he that he heard all those years ago. And so this book is very much Captain Cole trying to convince everyone for like one more one more job to set us up for the rest of our lives. You don't want to do this, that, and the other thing for the rest of your life, do you? And uh it's just it's so good. It has it has a grittier feel to it than the superior foes of Spider-Man stuff, but some of the humor and just some of the like the overall themes of that of that story are here in this. And it's just so much fun. It's another double-sized uh, issue with like 54 pages. The art is really, really super colorful and everybody looks amazing from their, like their younger selves to their older counterparts and seeing the way that they've aged and the things that they're like meant to put up with in their old age and how everything is being uh, torn down and rebuilt and the world just isn't what it used to be. And so why not retire in glory and go back to our old ways for one more job. And it just ends up being a mess. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So uh, if you like villain centric stories, this is a, this is a riot. And uh, I think it's going to go for a couple of issues, but this was the first one. And I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was cool. Well, it, 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 it so slice a life to super villains. What, what was that book? Oh, years ago. I know it was, uh, we, we did it. Uh... Bob Johnson, Hank Johnson, agent of Hydra, whatever it was. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, like a little bit. Definitely, like it's a it's a DC Black Label book, right? So there are there are bits of of maturity throughout the story, but yes, that same approach to taking taking these villains and putting them in a weird position to tell this you know funny story. What was that movie with Morgan Freeman and everybody um, where they were robbing the bank? The older gen going out going, going in style. style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit of that to it, you know, like one last score type of thing. And I don't know. Cool. It was that just was it really was cool. fun. It was cool. Like it was fun to see where all of these villains were at ten years removed from being at, you know, maybe not the height of their game, but just maybe on the verge of getting out. Uh and of course you meet up with Heatwave, who has never missed a beat. And is still doing his thing that he's always done. It doesn't need any convincing to jump onto the job. Like, you know, uh, Cole doesn't even get like two words out. He's like, don't worry about it. I'm in. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so it's cool. It's fun. It's got a little bit of a. Uh, yeah, I don't know if, if saying it's got a Guy Ritchie feel is going to turn you on or turn you off to it. Depends. But, Depends. you know. It's crimey. Okay. Doing okay. doing doing crimes. Doing crimes. Yeah. <laughs> doing crimes with Captain Cole. <laughs> That's right. Doing crimes. If the book was called that, I would 100% read it. Like if you just you have to, you you should you should check it out. You, or wait till it's on the Does DC uh Infinite have black label books? Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. There you go. Um it's cool. It's 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 off to a cool start. And I'm uh, I'm down to check out more of it. All right, let's see what else do we got here. Uh, we got some news. News. Um, so Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers released a deleted scene for the Batman. Uh, if you have not seen the Batman, you might want to tune out for the next couple of minutes, uh, or if you. I don't know how you would have escaped this, but so they released a scene with Barry Keoghan playing the Joker much more than we got in the movie that came out into theaters. Uh, And it is kind of this intense scene of Batman and Joker meeting up at Arkham and it playing out kind of like a silence of the lambs. Joker is Hannibal Lecter. Batman's going to him for his perspective on this new serial killer that's in town, the Riddler. And yeah, it's just basically a window into what that relationship would have looked like in that universe. And maybe a taste of what we might get in the future. Uh, There have been rumblings about um, Kilgan's Joker possibly joining that Arkham Asylum show, that HBO Max show that they're working on and, this was a way of kind of introducing that um, being the thing. I don't know. I have watched the scene several times because I really enjoyed that movie. And I thought it was very interesting and very cool. Uh, I like the laugh. I like the look. Um, it's grotesque, but I do like the whole chemical burn from the Ace Chemical uh, that thing that he had going on. The mouth was really gross and very reminiscent of the uh, Joker from uh, Remigio and Brian Azzarello, I thought. And yeah, 
I don't think it needed to be in the movie, but I I did enjoy seeing it. And I would as much as I definitely have Joker fatigue, I think that he could play if they play this character like a Hannibal Lecter and that he's used sparingly, I think it could work for whatever they have planned. But if he gets out and he's going to be the main villain, we'll have to see. So yeah. those are my thoughts. Anybody else watch this? I'm I'm glad it wasn't in the movie because I think it would have been too much. But it, it's fun to see. And I don't think we need another Joker villain movie. But it, 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 if there's a place for it, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I did also like the chemical burn. Like if you throw somebody into a vat of chemicals, they're going to look like this, you know, and, and that that part I did kind of like I was like, OK, this is this is this is um this is cool as someone who didn't quite like or need the new Batman movie um, in its in its in, in what it was and what it offered. Um, it was just a kind of a further reminder that, you know, we've had this, we've had this kind of characterization. We've had this kind of interaction. We've had this kind of story told, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really hoping that, we get something new sometime, you know, I just, I, I, yeah, I I'm yeah. reading, I'm reading Batgirls. I'm reading Batgirls and I'm reading, you know, detective comics. And it's like, wow, there are all these corners of this universe that they just have not done. It's just like, Oh, here, another Joker scene. Riddler, I saw something you know? the other day, somebody pointed out that Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul were the two villains that we've gotten in however many movies. Yeah that we're new where we're seeing them in live yeah. action for the first time that they keep going back to the same characters. Yeah. yeah. And it's like part of, and I said this when we reviewed the film too, and, and the, the more removed we are from the film. Um, I know that Steve, you've gone and seen it a few more times and that's awesome. And I'm, and I'm glad that you're finding that repeat viewing in it, but like, I'm just like, nah, I'm, I don't need to see it again. I saw it. I like, I really enjoyed aspects of it. I really enjoyed Pattinson, obviously, uh, Zoe Kravitz, you know, the, the Colin Farrell stuff, like the, uh, and there are parts of it that I enjoyed, but my overarching takeaway is that it was Batman again. And there was nothing from it that really sparked me. And then this scene dropped and I was like, Oh, okay, let me see some more. And I was like, we already had, we already had Christian Bale and Heath Ledger doing the back and forth repartee in the interrogation room. And I know the context is a little different here, but fundamentally I was like, I'm getting flashbacks, you know? And I, and at some point I want to watch a Batman movie and not get flashbacks. You know, I want to watch a Batman movie and get something, get something fresh and new. So that's, yeah. that's, that's what it did for me. It kind of reminded me like, Oh yeah, there it just, it retreads some stuff, even in this new. And to me, actually this newer and, more interesting aesthetic that Matt Reeves is creating than what Nolan did. Um, it just feels like narratively retread. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It looks, looks very special, very different. And yet, because it is the Joker again, I, I agree with you, Joey. We're, we're just treading the same ground again and again, and again. Yeah. That's why I think it would be, in their best interest to use him as like a Hannibal Lecter type yeah. character yeah. 
if they're you know if that's the plan to use but i mean it's not going to be the plan down we'll the road see. he's going to be in a movie we know no it. no yeah, no he's i just like i want to see yeah, he's got i want to see clayface like cool. introduce yeah. langstrom like mm-hmm. i just there's a way that i know that like you know, oh, it's grounded. How could you do Clayface? They Stop. can find it's not that grounded. No, you know what I would do. You know, you know what movie I would actually be cool to see if they wanted to use the Joker or whatever is like, like the video game kind of thing, like an escape from Arkham kind of thing. Like lock Bruce Wayne up in Arkham and he has to that's, get out. That's and great. Arkham Asylum. I know. And it's like, you yeah. got, and the, it's a two hour movie and it's just like high stakes. Every floor you move down yeah. the levels kind of thing. Man like, detected yeah. like man having to sort out what, yes. what clues get him to the next level. Yeah. Trying to yeah. get the hell out of the building. Yeah. Like that would be fresh. Instead of this more like, oh, is he like, is this the mask or is Bruce Wayne the mask? <laughs> it's like, oh god, we already like, asked me that question again. God damn it! <laughs> oh, is he is he point. the is he the madman or are we all locked in here with him? It's like, oh my oh, god, get out of I, here. hasn't Tim Burton answered those heard. questions already thirty years ago? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard so much, so many opinions on the Batman and Elden Ring for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Just I've I've had like overexposure to both of those things. Yeah. And um it's been a ride. It's been fun. It's been cool to hear all the different perspectives. I appreciate them all. Yeah. But if I, you, do, you know, if like you do locked in Arkham yeah. storyline though, then you could oh, yeah. have Clayface and you could have Hugo Strange and you could have character after character after character showing yep. up and doing their bit, introducing new characters. And then, yeah, the Joker, maybe the Joker, they got to team up and he's like, do I trust you? I don't know. Are, are you the madman? I'm writing this movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a backup happening in one of the Batman books. Like, I don't remember which one. It might even be the main one. No, no, no. I think it's detective where there's like a, there's a kid that was basically raised in the basement of Arkham oh, un- <laughs> under uh, Jonathan Crane's, Dr. Crane's uh, guidance. And it's really good. And I like, why can't we do this? Because and why can't we do a story about somebody other than Batman in the Batman universe? Because the Joker draws and because these directors and these writers come in and they're like i want to tell the joker story or i want to tell the serial killer story i want to tell the the sociopathic yeah. white guy versus the rich guy story we're not going to see we're not going to see gotham academy anytime soon no which is a bummer because and this is why actually court of owls would be really yeah. cool but i think i think it's an impossible like i uh, again i don't want to speak ahead of myself here but like I that they'll do the Court of Owls storyline and then it'll boil down to guy versus guy at the end of the mm. movie. You know what I mean? Like it they they just they can't handle that kind of Bruce there's versus no, there's his no brother. action figure. Yeah. Yeah, there's no action figure for um <laughs> the Court of Owls, you know? It, no, actually probably what it would be is is Bruce versus Hush kind of they'd like do mm. some some reimagining of what the Hush character is, and it would be Hush as the 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 ringleader of the Court of Owls, and oh no, it's actually a Wayne. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh Lord! All right, <laughs> let's go to our next news story. <laughs> so this is a fun episode. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, Marvel. Marvel is developing Nova. They are finally, finally doing it. 
this has been this has been a, a dream of uh, MCU fans for a long time, ever since Guardians. Uh, so this is coming from Moon Knight scribe Sabir Prasada, and this is in development. This is going to be the uh, Richard Ryder wow. Nova character, and I've I mean we'll we'll find out uh, Wednesday what uh what's up with the moon knight but i've heard um i've heard very good things and we could be in for quite a treat now i don't really know anything about nova i've read a couple of stories with a nova character i definitely read some of the kid nova Champions. stuff when that launched yeah. a couple of years back but um i don't know i i i don't know anything about this character should i be excited for this yes yeah yeah it's the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. It, it intersects with a lot of the other outer space storylines. Richard Ryder's a lot of fun as a character. I'm glad they're going in that direction. Yeah. And who knows? Do you get back John C. Riley and Glenn Close? And Hell, yes, you do. Maybe not Glenn. Yeah. Maybe not. Glenn Close will be like, what? No. <laughs> uh, John C. Riley, I can see being down for it. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Are Richard, they Richard Riders is yeah, it's it's Green Lantern Corps. Lan- it's, yeah, yeah, the Green Lantern Corps with Spider-Man as... Getting the it, it, yeah. it's basically a combination of Spider Man and the Green Lantern Corps in the Marvel Universe. All it's right. interesting. It's interesting because theoretically, well, not theoretically, I think Guardians of the Galaxy three, the Christmas special, and then get three is the end of that. <laughs> I think they're done with that. Those characters after Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. three, and it's interesting to think about where Marvel goes cosmically after that. And, you know, continuing out the Nova stuff is probably step number one. Well, it intersect with and the you, Marvels, perhaps. Yeah, and you got the yeah. scrolls and Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're doing a whole new cosmic thing, and I think they're yeah. moving us away from the Guardians. Then you could do they're Galactus and Annihilation. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then Johnny Storm could, could fight um, the Annihilation wave. Ooh. And die. And die. <laughs> Um, they're saying that this could possibly connect to both the Marvels and Secret Invasion. Wow, we just said that. What do they know? We're ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is cool. This is it's kind of weird that this is the way that we're hearing about this information. They usually hold on to this sort of thing. Well, I think it's a leak, and which is why I go back to what I said before. Until until I see something, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Um, all right, next story. Uh, they found a director for the adaptation of Black, the um, Black Mask Studios cool. comic. Cool. And this is coming from filmmaker Gerard McMurray, who uh, did the first Purge. I have not seen that one. Um, well, I'm stepping seen. into a whole new universe. Was it good? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's going to be writing and directing, and this is going to be a film from Warner Brothers and Studio 8. Oh, interesting. Uh, the comic debuted in 2016 from indie publisher Black Mask Studios, with the original series uh, following Kareem Jenkins, who discovered his powers after being shot by police. The series was followed by a graphic novel, Black AF, uh, America's Sweetheart. Uh, which centered on Ellie Franklin, a young girl who becomes a superhero to bridge racial divides in America. Now, I do not know uh, what story they're going to be focusing on for the film. That might be in here somewhere. Anyway, 
Um, all the people that are revolved, uh, revolved, involved with this project sound really, really enthusiastic about it. Uh, I would be curious to know if the creative team for the series is in any way involved. Eagle. Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple of names on here. Um, but yeah, this is awesome. Like, it's funny. Like I've written, this is probably the third time that I've written about this, uh, for the website, uh, ever since it was first announced. And I'm glad to see that each time that I do end up writing a story about it, that we're trending in a more positive direction. Like it looks like it's actually happening, which is, is really, really, really cool. Um, cause this was first proposed when all the protests and everything were happening. And so you had to wonder if it was just like a timely opportunity or if people were serious about making it. Uh, and it looks like they are, which is awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like they've attached some really good talent to it as well. So that's definitely something to look out for. It's awesome. Uh, and last but not least, Anna Lore is joining the cast of the CW's DC pilot for Gotham Knights. Uh, this show is is really starting to come together. Uh, it's from three of the uh, Batwoman writers. And uh, Gotham Knights uh, picks up in the aftermath of Bruce Wayne's murder with his rebellious adopted son forging an unlikely alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they are all framed for killing uh, the caped crusader. As the city's most wanted criminals, this renegade band of misfits must fight to clear their names but in a Gotham with no uh, dark night to protect it, the city descends into the most dangerous it's ever been. Uh, however, hope comes from blah, 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 unexpected places and people and all the things. Um, yay. Um, Anna Lore is going to be playing Stephanie, Stephanie Brown. Spoiler, which is is really cool. Um, Anna Lore, it's funny. I was telling everybody off air, I have i guess anna lore has been on my radar for a couple of years now just through various projects that she's done uh online and stuff and she seems pretty cool i've never seen any of her acting but um i'm curious i I, i'm curious i was kind of surprised it took me a a minute to register that it was her and i was like oh i followed your youtube um (laughs) so yeah she was involved with a couple of like different comedy and news groups uh, across YouTube that I used to watch back in the day. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This, this popped up and I was like, Anna Lore, Anna Lore, why do I know that name? Oh, right. So that's cool. And, and I, I love that character. I love the Stephanie Brown character. So she definitely has the, the energy to pull off a of Stephanie Brown. So I hope that they give her some good material to work with. Um, yeah. So that's it. That's it for news. That's it for comics. That's it for the podcast. Last one. Ever. Ever. Just kidding. No. Surprise. Um, we're just getting over. April Fools. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some of the books that we're looking forward to this week. Bob, what are you getting? Next to nothing, because everything got moved around. There were a lot of books due this week that aren't coming, but there's the Sensational Wonder Woman special, which is one of those $10 oversize things. And there's Captain Marvel 37. And that's it. All right. 
Uh, John, what are you picking up? All the books Joey said last week. I was going to say, are the books that I said last week coming out this week? Yeah. Uh, I got Batman Beyond the White Knight, Sean Murphy's new one, uh, number one. Uh, Batman One Dark Knight, number two. DC versus Vampires, six. Magic Order, number six. Radiant Black, 13. Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, six. Rogue Sun, two. Newburn, number five. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man number 93 ends the Infinity storyline. Dark Ages 6, Immortal X-Men number 1, and Miles Morales Spider-Man number 36. Oof. I know. Damn. Damn. I got to catch up with some of these books. They are stacking up. Mm. <laughs> Get the Joey, are, uh, you got anything? Uh, yeah. Captain Marvel 37, Immortal X-Men number 1, Iron Fist number 2, Silk number 3, um, step by bloody step number two, 25th anniversary, Buffy, the vampire slayer. Ooh. I don't really know what's up there. I'm a little behind on the main series. I know they kind of just, um, ended it and are relaunching. So I, I need to catch up a little bit there. Um, I think new volume is something is killing the children's starts, new storyline. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's it. Uh, I know Oni Press is putting out another quick and easy guide to this one's to a quick and easy guide to asexuality. They did one on um, non-binary and queerness. So and and they them pronouns. So those looking for little reference guides, little comics comics based reference guides to uh, LGBTQ stuff. Those are great books. Um, nice. And I think Dark Horse is putting out something called Hamlet, which is basically Shakespeare but with pigs. So. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might be obligated to check that one out. I guess we'll, I'll put it on the list of things. Do I see Morbius? Do I get the Pig Shakespeare comic book? Or do I... Uh, what was the other thing? Eat a Robo Burger. Those are the three options for the weekend. Wow. That's tough. Or potentially That's bad tough. ideas. Robo-burger. I think that you have to have the Robo Burger. You need to report <laughs> back. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. If, wait, if I go to the Robo Burger and it's like $20, I'm not no, doing it. No, no. <laughs> I will send you money. I'll split it with you. You'll, you'll Western Union me. You'll, you'll cable I me will. some money. I will give you $10 if it's a $20. I'm glad we'll pay you Tuesday for a Robo Burger today. That's right. Wimpy say. That's what they call me. Um, <laughs> I will put a crisp $5 bill in the mail. <laughs> um, oh, um, I wanted to tell you this before when you were doing your lightning round, Joey, but I totally forgot. Uh, Bronwyn gifted a copy of uh, The Magic Fish to our little local uh, library thing. Ah, Trunglin' Wind. Yeah, that we have in our in our neighborhood. Oh, it's so good. It's pretty awesome. Um, so for me, books are Batman One Dark Knight. I was so excited to read it this past week, and then it wasn't there, and I was very sad. So hopefully that uh, hits the stands. DC versus Vampires, which has been absolutely amazing. Uh, number six, uh, Captain Marvel, Silk, Dark Ages, number six, Magic Order, uh, Something is Killing the Children, and A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance is also supposed to come out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, does anybody have any closing statements? Anything that they want to say before we go? Yeah, I do. Go, Joey. Um, go, John. That was you, I'm John. John. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, I just got to say it, it was sad. I woke up uh, over the weekend and I saw the the uh, a list of Taylor Hawkins' best uh, drummers. Yes. Yes. And I was just like, what happened? And then I found out the news and 
I remember seeing uh, Foo Fighters. I mean, obviously, I was a big Nirvana fan. Uh, and then when the girl transitioned to Foo Fighters, I saw them several times. And can't say that they were my favorite band, but I think they might have been one of the hardest working bands. And I don't think anybody enjoyed drumming and performing like Taylor Hawkins and 50-year-old with two young kids at home. It's just oh, it's so too sad. early, and it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed like a just a person with a tremendous heart. Yeah. I watched uh, a lot of the clips, and I watched a performance from their final show together. Mm-hmm. It was filmed, and yeah. got to see him doing his thing. I saw him doing an amazing, uh, like uh, I don't know if it was Freddie Mercury or Rush or something, but he can sing. Yeah, like on top of being a monster drummer, he can sing really, really well. He, he does that cover of Queen with Paul Rogers. Was it Celebrity? Yes. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was yeah, amazing. that was incredible. Yeah, and he had lots of side projects that were very, very, very cool. And yeah, he just seemed yeah. like a very cool guy. Yeah, I really like. I'm I I was a fan of Foo Fighters for their definitely their self titled and then the color and the shape for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I kind of fell away from them after that, but I've always had nothing but respect for, for Dave Grohl yeah. specifically. Uh, and then, you know, just the rest of the band always seemed like genuinely good dudes. Yeah, like Pat Smear going back to the germs. You got yeah. just some really great music. I always listen to their album. I can't say I listen to it on repeat, but I always check out anything that they do. Yeah. Dave Grohl is one of my favorite people in the world. I've never met him. I just, I think that he's, I just hope he's as great as he comes across. I think he is. Did yeah. you ever hear uh, Stephanie Cook's Dave Grohl yeah, story? I did. And then yeah. I read his memoir, and that, that was, I don't read a lot of memoirs, but that was a really good one to read. Yeah. And I feel bad. Like, I think that Taylor was his best yeah. friend. And losing so, Kurt, who was his best friend, and then losing Taylor, who was, he says it's his brother, his, his non blood brother, brother. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's real tragic, and, and it's, just a tremendous loss yep. for sure. Um, all right. Uh, Anybody yes, else? I just want to jump in to say that we're a couple of days late because it happened in between, but the hashtag visible women is one of those up and running things right now. If you want to check out a whole bunch of amazing female creators, use that hashtag or go over to Kelly Sue DeConnick's Twitter and there'll be hundreds and hundreds of really great people whose work you should check out. Indeed. Cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, anything from you, Joey? Nope. All right. <laughs> you know, you gonna try that Robo Burger? I, I guess I have to. Ask, ask <laughs> for we'll it, ask it, for it rare, just to see. I can't ask anyone. It's a robot. It's gotta be a button. It's gotta be a, like a little thing that yeah. says. I don't know if this is a burger you want. Oh, that's, to yeah, here, that's, I very will pay. that's very true. That's very true. I will that. pay. <laughs> Listen, I will pay good money for you to go to Ro- not only go to Robo Burger, but for Emily to film your experience <laughs> of you ordering this thing and taking your first bite. I will. I will Venmo you money. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always. You can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcasttalkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. And I also want to say a uh, shout out of love to Aaron. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he wasn't with us this episode. We are sending him and his family and his mom specifically our love. 
And uh, hopefully we will hear from him soon. We told him to take whatever time he needs, uh, but he will be back. And we love you, man. Okay. Bob, where can our listeners Old find fashioned you? Old-fashioned email, Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Joey. At Joey Bertino. John. At John P. Burkle. Uh, Aaron is at Aaron J. Amos online. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a thirsty on tune episode this week. Maybe not. Maybe I have to push it a week. Bronwyn was away on business, so I'm not sure that they got to uh, record another episode, but uh, be on the lookout. Those are always a lot of fun. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. Uh, and until next time on Talk Comics Podcast, to be continued. Continued.